0: I'm Karen and I'm Michelle.
1: We're sisters and homeschool moms. Welcome to the Layers of Learning podcast, where we talk about family style homeschooling. Hello, this is Karen. And this is Michelle. We are going to talk to you today about matching your teaching style in your homeschool. So last time we talked about learning styles in your kids, but I think this one's actually more important to match your teaching style. So that you're comfortable in your own skin when you're teaching your kids in your homeschool.
0: So most homeschoolers, when they first begin, everyone tells you, you need to research these different styles of homeschooling and then pick one. And most of us do pick one. And then eventually we all become eclectic, which means we take bits and pieces from a lot of different things we like and we make it our own. Maybe it's important to go through that process of picking of learning about and then picking different homeschool styles. But you need to realize that if you are really trying to match a particular style perfectly, you're probably going to end up very unhappy. So some of the styles are Charlotte Mason, classical, unit studies, unschooling, Montessori or traditional, which would be like textbooks that you would see in a traditional school. The problem with picking just one of these is that it's not going to match your personality exactly. It's not going to match your family style. The homeschooling style that I am most drawn to personally is classical. And that's because I really love reading and writing. I love orderliness. I like planning. I like the idea of Latin and Greek and the dead languages. I don't know. I'm kind of a nerd that way. <laughs> I, I love really intellectual kind of stuff I'm not very into hands-on stuff. I really don't like crafts and projects. I tend to think that a unit study is kind of a waste of time. It's not. It's just how my personality sees it. And so I get drawn to the classical style. However, my homeschool today is not a classical homeschool. If you were to analyze it, you would say, yeah, no, I don't think that that's classical. Because I have taken the parts of it that I really like, and I have thrown out the things that I don't, and I've added back in things that are good for me or that I can tolerate, but that help my children. So I've created this kind of mix of styles that is really just Michelle's homeschool. It's not any other homeschool style.
1: So I think that I lean towards Charlotte Mason a little bit, a little on the classical side, but also Charlotte Mason and maybe some Montessori because I really like to have my kids discover and learn on their own. And so Again, like Michelle said, I took each little part that I liked out of each of those styles and I combined them into Karen's style. And it's the way that I feel comfortable teaching. And if I tried to completely be Charlotte Mason, not only would I fail, but I would have to feel bad about failing. And I would always be saying, oh, I'm not living up to Charlotte Mason. I only have to live up to me It makes me be a better teacher to my kids when I'm being my best self instead of trying to be Charlotte Mason or trying to be the perfect classical homeschooler. So I personally
0: don't feel like there is the way to teach children or the way to have a homeschool sometimes you'll hear people who are all in for classical style or they're all in for um, unit studies and they present it as though it's the best way. I don't really think that that's true. I don't think that there is a best way. I think so much depends on your your own personality as the teacher. The most important person to make happy in your homeschool is yourself. And that maybe sounds a little selfish, but the truth is if you're not enjoying it, it's going to be miserable for everyone. And for me, if I tried to make a homeschool that was all unit studies and all hands-on and all project project, I just wouldn't do it. I would just wake up in the morning and go, eh, we don't really need to do school today because I would hate it so much. And so I have created a homeschool where I wake up in the morning and I'm like, all right, we get to go read this book today and we're going to learn about, um, you know, the ancient Greeks and we're going to practice our Latin roots. That, that makes me happy. And so that's
1: what I do with my children and it's awesome to see how when when you're excited about it your kids are way more excited about it too which which of your kids loves the dead languages oh that's garrett he he loves i think it was actually harry potter
0: that <laughs> that prompted that but but garrett loves the the dead languages he loves latin it's just fascinating to him to learn these old words that nobody speaks
1: anymore but it's still a language that we can learn just like the homeschool styles that you don't want to try to perfectly conform to, you're also going to see other homeschool moms out there that you're tempted to try to be just like, and there's some danger in that too. If you get on Pinterest, or you read blogs, or you go to a homeschooling get-together, you are going to rub shoulders with project mamas, with reading and writing mamas, with field trip mamas, with co-op mamas, and they are all in to how they mama. (laughs) but it might not be you. And even more than that, you can't be all of those mamas. You might be a co-op mama, but you can't be a co-op mama, a project mama, a reading and writing mama, and a field trip mama. That is exhausting.
0: If you look at someone else and you think, oh, I just love what she did with her kids. That is so great. Maybe you should try that one thing. You know, Try the project that she did. But don't then start to think, well, I have to do projects every day or I'm not doing it good enough. Unless you really are honestly the kind of mama that loves to do projects. Because if you're not a project mama, again, you're just going to give up. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to get angry. And your children are not going
1: to thrive in a kind of environment. You are going to hide in the bathroom with chocolate. (laughs) You know, you're going to try to escape instead of really thriving and enjoying the experience of learning with your kids. So you have to listen to yourself. You have to hear what your needs are. Because you cannot possibly create a happy homeschool for your family if you are unhappy.
0: I think an important key to this is really getting to know yourself. There are a couple of ways you can do this. First of all, the biggest, probably the most profound aspect of personality is whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. Are you a person who is really social and loves to hang out with other people and you just get energy off of the group? Or are you the kind of person that's like, you really like being at home, you get away from people to kind of recharge, you need to realize which kind of person you are. But even deeper than that, you have all kinds of little intricacies in in your personality that are just you. And you need to kind of get in touch with some of that and realize who are you? What do you like? I think a lot of that is discovered through trial and error. So You don't know if you're a project mama until you've tried some projects. Maybe you don't know if you're a unit study mom until you've tried unit studies. And it's okay to try out those things, but if they're not working for you, it's also okay to say, forget it, we're not doing that again.
1: Well, and it's also okay if you're not a field trip mama. That doesn't mean you can never take a field trip with your kids. It just means you shouldn't plan field trip Friday every week. You know, you need to... Make sure that you are meeting your needs, and then you can extend yourself a little bit, but you don't want to trample over all of your needs in the name of trying to be a perfect homeschool mom. That's not going to serve you well, and it's not going to serve your kids well at all. So, Michelle, I know that you are quite introverted. I'm,
0: I'm really, probably extremely introverted. In fact, I don't believe in cabin fever. <laughs> I could like live in the cabin as long as I've got Wi-Fi, but (laughs) I'd be, I'd be great. So I like working alone. I'm quiet. I can sit at my desk for 12 hours straight and just sit there working on writing. And I am so happy. My husband has to be up and moving and going and doing, and he likes to go and talk with people. He gets energy from going out to dinner with our friends and stuff. Whereas I'm like, oh good, we're finally
1: home. (laughs) So how do you think that plays into your homeschool? How has that changed the way that you homeschool to know that you're a pretty extreme introvert? It took me a while to realize that that was true about myself. I mean, I was
0: probably in my 30s before I really got that. And I think that's kind of too bad. I wish I had learned that about myself earlier, but I'm glad I know it now. And I think it's changed our homeschool because I know I'm not the field trip mama. For a long time, I was like, okay, we need to do field trips, and then I just wouldn't do them, and I always felt bad, like, oh, I failed my kids again. When I finally realized that I just don't like field trips, then I was fine, and instead of planning field trips, we just do family trips, so I don't have to plan this outing, this extra outing where we're going out. Instead, our family just takes vacations, or our family just goes on outings, and I deal with it that way, because I can enjoy it that way, Whereas if it were a school field trip that I had to set up, I have to call people on the phone and arrange things, I know I won't do it.
1: Well, I think that's funny because probably 10 years ago or so, you were in charge of the homeschool group in, in North Idaho.
0: Yeah, so I had read
1: online you
0: know, at, at various homeschool websites that if there's not a co-op on your area, you should start one. You must be part of a co-op. And so I thought, well, I must be part of a co-op. And, and I, it took me a while to realize I don't want to be part of a co-op. It turned out great, though, because we did find a couple of really good friends through that experience, so it wasn't like a totally negative experience, but it, it did help me realize I don't like being part of a co-op. I don't need that in my life, and not everyone has to. Some people love it. Some people do need that support. I'm more of a lone wolf. Like, I do not need support in my homeschooling, and I know that's not a popular thing to say, but not everyone has
1: the same needs. Yeah, and I'm really, really different than you. I'm much more extroverted. I'm still not part of a co-op, though we have done that in the past. Currently, I'm not. That's partly because I have kids that are teenagers now, and they have so much involvement in other things that it would be overly demanding of our family's time to be part of a co-op and do their sports and get to college classes and all of those things. But I have had to recognize... I can't just plan to stay home all of the time and quietly homeschool. There are times where I need the energy of being out and about. And so I have to balance that. I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm not strongly extroverted and I'm not strongly introverted. And that has played into how I homeschool too. I have to have times where I plan to go out and about and do a lot And I have to have times where I do not get together with friends, where we make sure that we have my recharge time at home, too. One of the things that I've done to satisfy that is we have some homeschool friends that love to get together for holiday parties. So we don't have a weekly co-op, but for Valentine's Day, for Halloween, for special occasions at the end of the school year or at the beginning of the school year, we like to get together and... Have the kids all maybe go roller skating or go ice skating or have a little get-together at one of our houses. We had a field day last year, and that kind of satisfies that middle ground need for me. So let's go back and talk a little bit about each of those teaching styles and some things that might appeal to certain moms within each style. So the
0: Charlotte Mason style is a really comfortable style. It's really orderly, which helps you know that you're not missing things. You don't end up with gaps. Basically, it's classical style dialed back for like real people. It's kind of it's kind of like the classical style was for the elite in Europe. And then Charlotte Mason came along and said, yeah, but all of these factory workers' children and all these farmers' children, they need a good education too. And so she created this way of learning that was based off of classical, but again, dialed back and made a little
1: more practical for the everyday kind of person. I think something that massively appealed to me as I was trying out styles in my early homeschool years, when we touched on Charlotte Mason, I loved her nature focus. And we have kept that as part of our homeschool I remember last year I used to send my kids off into the woods because we moved to this new area and they had new things to explore in our new little patch of woods. So I'd send them out with their sketchbooks into the woods and they just had to sketch and observe nature. And that's something that I gleaned from my time trying out Charlotte Mason that I really wanted to keep nature studies as a part of our homeschool no matter what I was doing. So I just took that little piece. I don't do everything Charlotte Mason, But I loved her focus on nature and doing nature studies with my kids.
0: Another thing that Charlotte Mason did is she said you know what? We're not going to do textbooks. Instead, we're going to do living books. She called them living books. And basically, those are just books written by authors who actually know about and care about their subjects. Textbook authors are often just assigned to write about a topic, or they're one author that writes about everything. Kind of like layers of learning, we write about everything, although we keep it really minimal on purpose so that you go to those living books. That's what the library list is. It's a list of living books in each of the layers of learning units. So we we adapted that little bit into layers of learning, and we use that in our homeschools. We don't use textbooks very often, neither Karen nor I do, but I really grabbed onto that living books concept, and so did Karen. So that's what we use typically in our homeschools. And again, that's going to appeal to... People who are bookish, like they, people who like reading and who like books and want books to be the solid foundation of their homeschool are going to be drawn to that aspect of Charlotte Mason. The next style is Classical. And again, this is what Charlotte Mason adapted her style from. But Classical goes clear back, it's a style that goes clear back to Charlemagne and early in European history. So it has three parts, three sections, and it's called the trivium. So when children are young, they learn by absorbing information. You just throw a lot of facts at them, and you help them memorize and learn and learn and learn. You're just reading, 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 and it's very, very reading and writing based. Your kids are going to read books. They're going to write about it. That's pretty much it with classical. And then the second stage they not only read and absorb more and more facts, but they start to explain what they have learned. They start to put it back onto paper. They start to really be able to connect one thing to another. So if they're learning about Christopher Columbus, then they also realize they're going to connect that to the um, Reformation and how those two events were related to one another because the money that Christopher Columbus's explorations brought back to the old world, fueled the, the um, printing presses and the, the blooming of knowledge that made people question the church. So the children begin to see at this stage how things are related. So that would be basically the middle school years. And then the third stage of the trivium, they, children start to have their own ideas. So not only do they see how things are connected, but they might start to explain why. And so that's the, like the the point in their life when they're contributing to the great conversation. So Charlotte Mason will take the living books, and classical style is similar, except that the living books are restricted even more to what we would call the great books. So they're they're only going to be the very best of the literature that's out there in the world. It's going to be the top stuff. So you're going to be reading Shakespeare, and you're going to be reading uh, Milton, and some of those the. What you would think of as the classics or kind of highbrow literature, that's what the classical education is going to involve. And it will also
1: involve the Latin language. And I think you can see the trivium in layers of learning also. When when we talk about the layers that we use, those smiley faces, the yellow, green, and blue smiley faces that indicate whether it's for a young learner or a middle learner or a high school learner, Those could be called trivium smileys. They're intentionally meant to cater to a certain level of learner. The explorations that you see within those, you can find the connections between the trivium and the layers of learning topics. For example, the green smiley explorations will be more fact-based for the most part. The blue ones where you have high school kids are a lot more writing topics, and they're supposed to contribute their own ideas. So you can see elements of the classical style and layers of learning, too. And just the way that we organized it into four years that you repeat
0: three times. That's classical organization. And that's what we did with, so that's part of layers of learning. And if you're the kind of mom, again, who really likes reading, writing, you like intellectual pursuits, you're going to be drawn to that classical style. But you may, for example, decide, you know what, Latin, we really don't need that. And you can throw that out. And that's completely fine. People will say, well, then you're not classical. Own it. So what? You don't care. You don't need to be the perfect classical mom. It's
1: fine. So the next one is unit studies and a lot of people think layers of learning is a unit study based curriculum because we call them units. It's really not, but there are some elements of unit studies that we do utilize. First of all, unit study style centers around the idea that it doesn't matter what you're learning about, but you're going to choose a topic and you're going to explore it and explore it and explore it until you can't any further. You will do math, English, history, geography, science, art. You will explore it from every one of those angles. So if you are learning about oceans, you will have projects that center around oceans in a variety of ways, as many ways as you can think of to apply them.
0: Yeah, so you might map all the oceans and seas. You might just um, learn about the science of the ocean levels or learn about ocean animals. You might learn about the physics of ocean waves, you could make an art project, lots of art projects
1: about the oceans. Yeah, you're going to keep exploring it in every school subject that you can. And that's a unit study. And you can see part of that in layers of learning too. We're not exactly unit studies because we don't take one topic and explore in all of the ways. We actually have history geography, science, and art. And they're separate. And a true unit study would not separate those at all. But because of the additional layers that we have and the sidebars that we use, that takes the principle of unit studies and tells you that you are free to take the topic and explore it further. Keep on exploring and searching for more information on the things that you're interested in. You get to exhaust it as far as you want to. So someone who is a unit study mama
0: is going to be someone who likes a lot of variety and yet wants to make sure that you stay focused. Someone that you want to keep your kids involved in one topic, but you can't just sit there and learn about the science of bicycles for the next three weeks. You want to learn about every aspect of bicycles. You want to really tear it apart and get into it and just look at that subject from every possible angle. That's going to be the kind of mom that's into those unit studies. And again, you can take parts of that and use it and reject other parts. If you want to do a unit study, there's nothing that says that you have to do unit studies all of the time. You can just choose to do a unit study for three weeks and then go back to
1: your normal curriculum. You get to adapt all that any way you'd like to. The next style is unschooling, and a lot of people dabble in unschooling and then decide that they aren't quite that freeform. They're not accomplishing quite as much as they want. True unschooling actually takes a lot of work for the mom, because although you aren't providing lesson plans, you have to constantly seek out learning opportunities in order to really be successful in unschooling. A lot of unschooling moms come to me and say, I don't know if I'm covering everything. They're feeling afraid and they're starting to feel like they don't have a good handle on what their kids know and what they don't know. And it's a really awesome lifestyle to have, but they need more organization. Sometimes the unschooling
0: is really, really effective with the subject areas like like history, science, science art, those kinds of subjects, but it maybe is a little weaker on the skills like math and learning to write and those kinds of that are really skill-based. It's hard to remember if you have an unschooling child, does she know about nouns? Does she use them right? Have we learned about gerunds? You don't know, and it's hard to remember, and you're not sure if your child has a handle on that or not, and a lot of things that are taught sequentially, like math, may get a little wishy-washy. And so a lot of people who start out unschooling will ease off maybe unschool part of their school, but then come back to a little bit more formal education
1: in some of the other areas. But we love the passion that unschooling is going for. So the idea is that your kids will naturally learn the things that they are most interested in. And I love that we do that part of it in our homeschool. We have a really organized framework because I'm a really organization-minded person. But I also want my kids to have some freedom to explore. So they have a lot of time to pursue their own interests. That's something that's important to me. I have a kid that is awesome at 3D design and he designs his own drones. And it's really cool to watch him. And he's doing things that I don't know how to do. All I had to do was give him some time and some freedom to do that and he has pursued it on his own. And that's what unschooling is. And so we have that as part of our homeschool, but we don't have a complete unschooling approach because I need to feel like I have a framework and I like us to really come together in a family school too. Besides,
0: you've always wanted to be a teacher up yeah. in front with the blackboard. <laughs> I need my whiteboard it,
1: not a blackboard, a whiteboard. Oh, oh, you're advanced. I'm still with the blackboard. Right. I love my whiteboard because it has all those pretty colors. Oh, I see.
0: Gotta <laughs> <kinda> have pretty <laughs> colors. Another aspect of unschooling that I think we embrace is unschoolers tend to create a home of learning. Like they create that learning environment. Their whole house is kind of set up so that their children have to go and learn something. They probably don't have video games lying around a lot. And that's going to be an important part of my homeschool, although we do have video games because my husband. But, <laughs> but, but just creating that whole learning environment. We've talked about that before. And it, it, that's a great aspect of unschooling that we could all learn from, I think.
1: I, I think definitely my school day does not end at any particular time. We consider us to always be learning, and that is a tenant of unschooling that I embrace completely. So I took that little part and made it part of our homeschool without taking the entire thing.
0: The next style is Montessori, and this is typically applied to younger children up to about age eight or nine, but you could apply the principles to any age. The idea is that you're going to learn by doing things in an environment that is real. For example, a Montessori school will be set up so that it has a kitchen where children are taught to make their own lunch and they actually use real tools. They don't use a plastic knife to cut the carrots. They use a real knife. And your home can be like that too, where your children get to have real tasks they're really doing and learning real world stuff. It also tends to be very hands-on, like manipulatives are used a lot in a Montessori kind of school. So they'll teach math with Math toys is what we call them at our house. They use math toys to teach math. And again, this is mostly tends to be um, taught for younger students, but it could be applied clear up to older students too.
1: Yeah, I think especially in the last podcast, we talked about the see it hear-it, and do-it learners. And if you have a do-it learner, you're probably going to have more of the Montessori principles as part of your homeschool. There's going to be a lot more hands-on and practical application of whatever you're learning.
0: One thing that we implement that in our own home is that we have science and art supplies that our children are allowed to just use whenever they want. And they get to actually get their hands on and do it. We don't
1: limit them to just looking at books or watching videos. The final one is the traditional schooling, and this is happening more and more in homeschool actually, and I think primarily that's because of the charter school movement and also the vast number of online homeschool programs that you can get now. There are so many homeschoolers that are actually working with a school, but they're learning at home. And there are a lot of states that will pay for those
0: traditional programs where you you send into the company and they send you a box of textbooks and you have a teacher that you're working with online or sometimes in person and your children are taking tests
1: and doing all the traditional kind of school things? I think a lot of homeschool moms start out this way and very often they end up leaving that style as they start to explore the other homeschooling styles. It tends to be a little bit more restrictive and a lot of people say, if you're going to homeschool, why would you just recreate school at home? Truthfully, for some kids, that actually really works, but it doesn't work for all kids, and moms start to recognize when it's not working for their kids. So people who would like this are
0: people who want to put their children back into school again soon, and they just want it to be kind of seamless. They want their children to already have that schooling experience and be used to that. Um, Also, people who like textbooks, there's nothing wrong with textbooks per se, Um, or with workbooks. They get a really bad rap in homeschooling, textbooks and workbooks. They're not all bad. There's some good things about it. The test taking also gets a bad rap in homeschooling. Again, tests, if they're done right, are an excellent learning tool. So tests per se aren't bad, but sometimes the way that they're handled may not be the best. But this style isn't a bad style. And it could be very comforting for people who are not completely confident about homeschooling or about their own abilities. It's a good place to start if you're really nervous about beginning and don't want to just take the leap off the bridge like some of us do. <laughs> it, it's, there's nothing wrong with starting out that way or even continuing that way. And you can keep some of it. We use textbooks and workbooks for our math program and always have. That's a very traditional schooling
1: way. We don't do you know, creative math programs. It's really traditional. And I think in our personal homeschool, my kids have learned some things that I wouldn't be able to teach them through this method. For example, my daughter is taking some sign language classes online. And I know a tiny bit of sign language, but she's well beyond where I'm at. And so that's been an awesome tool for her that she can go and have this other teacher and it's an online situation. And she's loving it. She loves that part of her school day. And I'm not going to throw it out just because it's traditional and I'm not really a traditional homeschooler.
0: Yeah, I had my second son, Timothy, take... A, he enrolled in an online school based in our state. And so he took traditional school classes online with teachers. I In this particular program, I didn't even have to do any paperwork, which was wonderful. But the reason I had him do it was because he needed to learn to get assignments in on time. He needed to learn to structure himself and and be responsible to someone who wasn't me. It was just an important part of his development during his high school years. I wanted him to be able to handle the workload and the expectations of college when when he gets to that point. And I felt like he needed that traditional school experience for a little while. So there are some really valid reasons why you might want your children to do a more traditional type of homeschooling. But the bottom line is that you do not need to try to do any style perfectly. It's okay to pick and choose to take little bits out and to try things out and then reject things that aren't working for you. Just adapt what you like, throw out what you don't, and make sure that it fits your personality.
1: So next time we're going to talk about having a realistic homeschool vision. And this is also part of making sure that as a mom, you're happy in your homeschool. So we'll get into... Uh, how to create that homeschool vision and how to really be realistic next time. So I hope you join us. Thanks. We'll see you later. Thank you for joining us today. Come and visit us at layersoflearning.com
0: and on our Facebook group. Make sure to tune in next month for our new podcast.
1: In the meantime, we wish you happiness in your homeschool. Have Have fun fun learning. learning.